song we could ever sing. God, you are worthy of praise, God, and we're here today, Lord, to exalt you. God, we thank you that your love is not something that can be taken away, Lord. Your love is not something that can be earned, God. We can never deserve it, Lord. And um, even though that goes against everything in our flesh, God, we surrender that and we accept, Lord, that your love is unconditional, that your love is a mystery, God. How can it be that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more? How can it be that there's nothing that we can do to take your love away? But that's just who you are, God. And we thank you um, that our relationship with you is not based on our worth, God, but it's based on you, your favor, your faithfulness, your goodness. Lord, you keep your promises, and we just praise you, and we thank you for um, your promises and your goodness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome again. It's Sunday, it's a beautiful day, and I uh, hope you're doing great again. Uh, it's so good to um, know that you're there, and uh, I hope I hope uh, things are going well for you. You're staying safe, and you're enjoying life as you follow the Lord. Like, stand tall for God. Okay, we're living in a world that's shaky right now, and uh, God's looking for some faithful, faithful followers who will stand firm and not get sucked into the river of this world that's pulling people in every direction. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in the Word, you know. When all else fails, just do what God says and you'll be fine. You will be fine in the end. Just do what the Lord says. Well, here you go. When the going gets tough, that's where we were. We're talking about this series, When the Going Gets Tough. We're looking at different biblical characters of uh, life and, and uh, in the scriptures and how they responded to things that came their way. And uh, when things go rough and they will go rough, how are you going to respond to that? And James, James is the passage that is giving us kind of a uh, like a springboard into the series. James says, consider it pure joy, whenever, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And so God promises us you're going to face trials, deal with them with joy, put a smile on your face, it's going to come and it's going to pass. It will go. But God is using the trials. It's like a bus ride to completion, to maturity, to not lacking anything. God is taking you somewhere through your trials. Smile. Make the most of them. You don't have to be happy about it all the way through. <clears throat> but a Christian understands that every test is an opportunity for God to do something great in my life. We are in the book of Judges. We're looking at a character in the book of Judges, and his name is Gideon. We started this study on Gideon. We were talking about who he is and how God called him, and the angel appears to him, and he's like that reluctant warrior. He's kind of in the shadows, but he's like a Samson kind of guy because he when he, when he gets his confidence, he, he's unstoppable. And we're going to see some of that as we continue this uh, part two today on the life of Gideon. And so what has happened when we left off was the angel, remember the angel told Gideon, he appears to Gideon, Gideon's uh, at the wine press, and he says to Gideon, get a feast, put it on this rock. The angel touches the rock with his staff, and ba-boom, flames go shooting up. Gideon's like, whoa, what was that? 
The angel disappears, and Gideon is standing there, or maybe on his feet, or on his knees, or sitting down, who knows, probably scared to death. But he's got to be thinking, what next? What am I going to do next? Yesterday's gone. What am I going to do with this moment? And this is exactly where we left off last week. What am I going to do with this moment? And so here's what happens. The Lord appears to Gideon, right? And he speaks to Gideon, maybe not in the form of the angel. And he tells Gideon, here's what you're going to do, buddy. You're going to, you're going to drain the swamp. You are going to clean out from the, the very core of who Israel is. And we're going to start with our allegiance being to God. Okay, science is not going to heal us. Okay, putting in systems is not going to rescue us. Turning to the Lord is the only thing that will ever save our country or our world or mankind. Okay, turning to the Lord. If you do all these other things, you have come up short. Until we turn back to God as a nation, and that's what God's saying to, to uh, Gideon in Israel, until you turn back to me, you are going to continue to experience trials, tribulations, and rough times in ways that you wished would never come. Turn to the Lord. That's what the word is to us today, right? Turn to the Lord. So God says, look, Go and tear down your father's altars, the ones to Baal and the Asherah pole. Get rid of it. Those are idolatry. People are worshiping the false gods that don't even exist, that have no power, that are nothing. Don't do it. Start there, tear them down, and then build a proper altar to the Lord. Altars are good if they're to God. If they're to anything else, they're no good. Get rid of them out of your life. And so God tells them, use the wood that you take down from the Asherah pole and you build me an altar out of it. God is, in, God is good about saying, look, that means nothing anyway. I made the trees. Use the tree for my glory, not for some false God's glory. Okay, don't do it. So what Gideon does is he takes 10 men and at night and again at night, Gideon's afraid of the people. He goes and they tear down these altars and these, uh, these poles and in the morning, the men wake up and they see that their Asherah pole and their Baal altar are destroyed. And they wonder who did this. And they figure it out. It's Gideon. And so they want to kill Gideon. They want to come and kill Gideon. And Joash, Gideon's father, says to them, look, hey, guys, wait a minute here. If Baal is real, if Asherah is a goddess and real, let them deal with Gideon. They can fight for themselves. They'll take care of Gideon. And so they agree. They say, okay, fine. We'll leave Gideon alone. We'll let Baal deal with Gideon. Well, just to let you know, Baal never deals with Gideon because Baal doesn't exist. Only in an altar made out of rocks or stone or wood or whatever. Okay, that's all it is. People think there's something behind it, but there is nothing. There was nothing ever behind these altars and these idols. They were just statues. Statues, meaningless. So meanwhile, what's happening is uh, the surrounding nations are gathering and they're going to attack. They're going to attack Israel, primarily the Midianites. And they are, remember, a swarm of warriors and soldiers, more than could even be counted. And so what happens is in chapter 6, verse 36 or 36 to 40, one more time, Gideon 
tests the Lord. Again, I would not recommend testing God. But God deals with Gideon's uh, faithlessness and his insecurities, and he 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 goes along with this. And so Gideon says, "Look, Lord, uh, I, I I know you want me to go take over, uh, take take on the Midianites, and, and you want me to conquer them. But um, can you please give me a sign? Let me know for sure that you're with me. So I'm going to lay out a fleece on the threshing floor of the wine press. And Lord, if you would if you would be so kind, would you please tonight?" When the dew falls, just wet, just wet the fleece and let the ground around the fleece be dry. God goes along with this. Gideon gets up in the morning and sure enough, he wrings out the fleece. Soaking wet, but all the floor around the fleece, no dew, it's completely dry. Gideon still has uh, 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 one more test for God. He says, God, this time, tonight, when I go to sleep, how about you keep the fleece dry and you show me that you can wet the floor around the fleece. And God goes along with it. And sure enough, in the morning, that's what happens. And so Gideon understands that God is with him and that God is going to fight. And so Gideon sounds the trumpet and all the men in all of the tribes of Israel gather 32,000 men come together to fight against the Midianites. Now, the Midianites have way more men than 32,000, lots more men, more than you could even count. And so what happens is God says, I want to show Gideon that this is not a battle of the flesh, that the Lord God is going to fight the battle, that you can trust the Lord no matter what you're going through. And so God says to Gideon, look, 32,000, there's too many, too many men. I don't need that many men. He says, tell all the guys that are afraid to go home. 22,000 men pack their bags and go home. 10,000 are left with Gideon. Gideon looks around and goes, okay, we got 10,000 men. It's not good, but I think we can do it. God says, no, still too many. And here's what God says to them. He says, look, take your men to the creek. Take them to the creek and tell them to get a drink. They're going to drink in one of two ways. Some of them are going to put their face in the creek and they're going to, with their tongue, they're going to, they're going to suck up the water right from the creek directly. Then there's going to be other men who are going to scoop water in their hands and they're going to, like a dog, lap it. Like that. Okay. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You keep the lappers and you tell the, the ones who stick their face in the creek to go on home. We don't need them. 9,000... Here's my number. And 700 men go home. That leaves Gideon 300 men, 300 lappers. Started with 32,000. God says, I only need 300, and I really don't even need that many, but let's take 300 men and let's go into battle. And God says, I will give the Midianites into your hands. But if you're still afraid, okay, God is so patient with Gideon. He says, look, Gideon, I, I know you still got this like reluctancy. You're shaky. Your confidence is weak. But look, you can trust me. You can trust me. Here's what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to take uh, Pura, who is your servant, and, and the two of you just kind of put on clothes and just wander on down from your camp to the Midianites' camp. Go to the outpost and just listen to what the men there are saying. Just 
Just take in what they're saying. And here's what happens. He goes down there. Gideon arrived just as the men, a man was telling a, a friend his dream. So this Midianite has this dream that God is working in these Midianites' hearts. And God is working in Gideon's hearts. And a lot of times all we see is what God is doing in our life. We don't really see how he's preparing what we're about to do. Like in the life of the other people involved. We have no idea. But God is working, sure enough. And so God, the man says, he was telling his friend this dream. And this is the dream. I had a dream. He, he was saying, uh, this round loaf of barley, like this barley loaf of bread, huge thing, came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. And it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and the tent collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites, us, and the whole camp into his hands. And so, so, so Gideon is hearing the fear of the Midianites. And so here's what happens. When Gideon heard about the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshiped the Lord. And he returned to the camp of Israel, and he called out and he said, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianites into our hands. So, what this has done for, for Gideon is it's 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 instilled in him a boatload of confidence that we can go and we can take over this land, that God has given us the victory, dividing the men into three, uh, three men or 300 men into three companies, 100, 100, 100. He placed trumpets, get this, not swords and spears and machine guns, trumpets and an empty jar in the hands of all of them with a torch inside it, a Gideon torch inside the jar. And he said, watch me. He told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle, watched just after they had changed the guard, and they blew their trumpets and they broke their jars, and the light was exposed. This is at night. The light lights up all around the edge of the camp in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets. They smashed their jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in the right hand the trumpets that they were to blow. And they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled. And what happened was Gideon chased them down and eliminated the threat. That's what happened. Gideon chased them down and eliminated the threat. And so what happens is uh, they turn on each other and they kill each other. Gideon and his 300 men didn't even need to fight. They killed each other, and the ones that they ran off, 
They chased down and they killed them too. Gideon goes on this crazy, in chapter 8, this crazy rampage for the Lord. He destroys all of the enemies of the Lord and of Israel. And heads of kings, the heads of the kings literally go rolling as they decapitate the king's heads. If you want to see, if you want to see what happens to those who dare fight against the Lord or against servants of the Lord who refuse to respond to grace and mercy through obedience, if you want to see what happens to people who dare come up against the Lord, read Judges chapter 8. It will give new meaning to the verse that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You read that chapter and you see what happens to anyone who thinks that they can come up and fight against the Lord. So Gideon, in the power of the Lord, destroys all of the enemies. Here's what happened. So they destroy them all and they plunder all their stuff. And Gideon uh, took up uh, an offering of all the plunder. So he asks all the men to throw in some of the gold, earrings and necklaces and stuff like that. And what he does is he makes this ephod, right? This ephod out of the gold. It's like one that the high priest would wear. And he takes this ephod and he sets it in his hometown. And, and, and what happens is all of Israel, there's such sediment in this ephod that all of Israel begins to, the scripture says, prostitute themselves before the ephod. In other words, they worship it and they they do like idolatry things toward it. Like the same things that they were doing with their pagan gods and the idols and the poles and the altars of the false gods, they were now doing that with this ephod. And so it became, the scripture says, this ephod became a snare to Gideon and his family. This was not a good thing. This was a bad thing. To put anything up as an idol equal to or even close to equal to or even above the Lord is evil. Even in a religious way, we should never worship anything, even close to worship anything that is religious or symbolic in any way. The Lord is the one who deserves all of our praise and all of our honor and all of the glory and all of our worship. Everything else is a part of a created order. Should never be worshipped. Should never be lifted up. And so the life and the work of Gideon is surrounded by lots of highs and lots of lows. We find Gideon hiding and we see him, we see him with great confidence at times. Right? We see great acts of faith on his part as you read through his story. And then we see moments of great weakness and insecurity. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, famous uh, Christian author, said this hardships, and this is so good about our theme, which is when the going gets tough. He says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. Isn't that cool? Like when you're going through the hardship, remember what James said, consider it pure joy. Many trials are coming your way, but God is going to use them to grow you, mature you, strengthen you if you'll let him. Don't let the things that come up against you crush you. Let them be the thing that takes you to completion and maturity, not lacking anything because then this is true. God will use it in your life to do something really extraordinary. 
And that will be an amazing thing. Well, I want to close uh, today this part two with some takeaways. Some takeaways from Gideon. I really only have three takeaways today. And uh, then we're going to wrap this thing up, okay? Here they are. Number one, number one takeaway. If people will turn to God, he will rescue them. That's it, period, exclamation mark. If people, if we will turn to the Lord, he will rescue us. He's proven it over and over and over and again. And the reason that we don't experience the rescue of God is because, like the scripture said, we don't listen to God. We don't want to do it his way. We don't want to take the time to, to understand what he says in his word and live according to his word. We would rather throw it away. We'd rather take it out of our schools and, and tell people they, they can't pray and that there is no God. We want to, we want to let the enemy have his voice but we don't want to speak up for the voice of God and for the truth of God. And it's time in our country, it's time in our world, it's time in our life that we stand up and we do this. If people will turn to God, he will rescue them. We would be spared of much of the turmoil and the chaos that we experience as a people, as a land. And we would enjoy times of peace. That's what happened in the judges period, when people turned to the Lord and they honored God, they experienced periods of peace. Yes, there were trials. Yes, there were uh, bad things that happened and to good people along the way. But for the most part, peace would fill the land. Check this verse out. Second Chronicles 7.14, the writer says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, one of the things we take out of this, this, this ministry and the life and the story about Gideon and the judges is this. If people, this country, our nation, the world, you and me, if we will turn to the Lord, turn to our God, he will rescue us. Number two, number two takeaway is this. Gideon, Gideon gives new meaning to the idea that anyone can do it. I mean, you read the life of Gideon and how, how shaky he was, how, how, how lack of confidence he had. And, and, and then all that God was still able to do in him because it was God who did it. He just needed a vessel to use. He needed flesh and blood on the earth that could just do some things. I mean, God still used him in a mighty way, in incredible ways. Because in the end, it's God who accomplishes the miracle. It's God who does it. Gideon is filled with fear. He's filled with doubt. He's filled with uncertainty. But God, all through his story, pulls him through it. Gideon makes it into that great uh, hall of uh, heroes of old in Hebrews chapter 1. When his name is mentioned as one of those great heroes of old of ancient times. Psalm, Psalm chapter 37 verse 5 says this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Right? That's what we do. When all else fails, just trust God. Keep your eyes on him. Commit to, to what God has said to do. Just do the things that you know are right and true. And God will take care of the rest. God will do it. You can bank on that. And number three, the last thing is this. Last takeaway of the story of Gideon is this. Gideon's Faith in God, get this, 
is what made him successful. Gideon in and of himself, you could almost say was a failure. Was a failure. At every turn, he is weak, and he is uh, lacking, and he has got no confidence, and, 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 and in every way, he can't accomplish hardly anything at all. But it's the Lord. It's his trust in God. It's his faith in God that gave him the success that he enjoyed. He showed courage at times, but God was super, super patient with him. He needed, he needed lots of patience, just like you and I probably need lots of patience as, all, as well, right? And God is patient with us, and he loves us, and we keep coming back to him, and he's always there for us because he wants to use you. He wants to use us in a great way. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. That's what Gideon had to learn. Don't lean on your own understanding, Gideon. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. See, it's all about God. It's all about what God will do in your life. When the going gets tough, when the going gets tough, success is only found in turning to Jesus. Turn to Jesus and you will have success. Turn away from God, turn away from Jesus, and you will struggle in your problems. And if you conquer one, there's another one coming and you will struggle in it as well. And in the end, you will be destroyed. You will not have success. If we learn anything from the story of Gideon, it's this, that if you decide to fight against God, you will lose. If you decide to stay on the side of the Lord and walk with him and honor him in your life, you will have success. It's a guarantee. God promises, I will be with you. And that all begins. The going, the going gets, when the going gets tough, begins with a, with a relationship with Jesus. And if you have never experienced a relationship with Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, I hope and pray you'll do that today. Don't put it off. Don't wait till some time in the future. Do it today. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to make himself real to you. Give your life to him. Repent. Ask God to forgive you and be immersed, be baptized into Jesus. Find somebody who, who will help you understand what that means. And, and then do it. Just be obedient in this moment to what God is calling you. And then in the next moment. And then in the next moment. And just walk with him all the days of your life. Please be safe. God bless you. And have a great week.